Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Social Work Radio with me, your host, Vince Beard. Once again, and always, we are joined by our co-host, Tilly Baden. Tilly, my friend, how the devil are you? How have things been since you were last aboard the good ship SWR? Hello, everyone. Um, yeah, things are good. Thank you. Um, I've recently been on a conference um, up to Leeds, which is quite a long drive for me. I went up for work with um, with my boss and one of my colleagues. We had a really, really good time, actually. It was a good conference, lots of inspiring speakers. But I have to confess, I am now banned from booking accommodation for any future trips. Oh, wow. So... What, what, what went wrong? <laughs> what went right? Tell me more. Tell me more. Well, I'm always, I've got a bit of a reputation for not being particularly budget conscious. So I was <laughs> under strict instructions to make sure that I didn't blow our team's budget on some fancy hotel. So I was mm-hmm. like, right, okay, I'll book a nice Airbnb. There's three yep. of us, just three bedroom house pretty standard but I never read the reviews or actually check where these things are um and I just looked and thought well it's 10 minutes drive from the conference center that's where that that'll be fine didn't really pay much attention um accidentally booked somewhere in not quite the nicest area shall we say um directly next to the prison um so we were overlooking the prison and it was a bit of a questionable area should we say and um we got woken up in the middle of the night with some local lads that set fire to the bin in the street outside our house um and then it sounded like there were fireworks going off i think there were obviously aerial aerosol cans in there there was explosions um and we we thought we were gonna die um yeah, Barry almost had to call fire brigade. They they then poured some alcohol onto the bin, and there was it was a rather raging fire. We we feared that the house that we were in was then going to catch a light, which obviously not ideal. So I I am now banned from booking future accommodation, and I shall leave that into my esteemed colleagues' hands. Um, was the decor yeah. nice? Not particularly. I know. I thought to myself, if Vince was here, he would have a lot to say about this Airbnb because I yeah. know you you have a, a particular set of criteria, don't you, for when you go away? Because you, you obviously yeah, have a lot yeah, more than I, I do. I stay in Airbnb two or three times a month whenever I, I travel as part of my independent social work. I travel all over the country doing independent social work assessments. And I, uh, yeah, I tend to stay in Airbnb because... I like Airbnbs. You get a bit of peace and quiet for when you're working. You tend to be able to have a bit of a workspace. For me, I can cook my own food. It's really, really good. And they tend to be generally in more peaceful and quieter areas. You haven't had that experience, but not come at to all. Me. No. Come to me. You know, when we've stayed at Airbnbs for our writers' retreats, I've had very clear views. Few of them have met my exacting standards, have they? No, they haven't. But this one would have been off the scale for you. You would not have approved. It was not very well equipped. It wasn't very well decorated. Didn't feel particularly safe either. Um, yeah, it was pretty below par. Yeah. Um, but we live and learn. I will learn to, if I ever have to book another Airbnb, not for work purposes, I will at least read the reviews before I go. Thank for you, you've lived. I mean, it was touch and go for a minute there. It was. It? it was touch yeah. and go. Luckily, well, the neighbours opposite came out and, and were shouting at these lads and saying they're going to ring the police. I was like, 
forget the police. It's the fire brigade we need because the whole street You're is going to <laughs> wow. Well, a bit of jeopardy, a bit of mild peril for you, you know, uh, keep you young. Exactly. Like to live on the edge. Uh, you know. <laughs> oh, anyway, how have you been? How, how have things been this week for you? Uh, far, far more peaceful and serene than uh, than yours. I um my lady friend was up to see me this weekend. So we, uh, we went pumpkin picking. I took a nice. pumpkin picking to a... Uh, uh, a, a local farm park and uh, a goat spat on me. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. What did you do to offend the goat? Well, I dared. I dared to feed its babies. You know, you know when you go to a farm park, you, you can buy a little bag of food to feed the animals. Yeah, I'm sure you're aware of that situation. I am. I bet you've yeah. frequented a farm park in your day. I have. I've been to a few. So yeah, I said to my lady friend, "This is right. We we are. I'm going to take you pumpkin picking. But I'm going to do better than that. Not only am I going to take you pumpkin picking, I'm going to take you pumpkin picking on a farm, so we can feed the goats. We can see the pygmy goats. You can pet the rabbits, and we'll also pick pumpkins." She was like, "Brilliant! I'm down for that." I was like, "Excellent! This is going to be ideal." So we standard thing. We got there. We you know bought bought the feed to feed the animals. We went around feeding the animals and. Uh, uh, we saw these little goats and I thought, oh, I'm going to feed the baby ones. I was feeding them the dad. I think it was a dad or a mum. I couldn't work out which. I didn't get close enough to sex it. And I was feeding the baby goats and I was feeding the the, the adult goat. And I went back to feeding the, the baby goats and the adult goat did not like this. And it spat on my face. <laughs> it spat oh, on my dear. face because it had, it, 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 I had the temerity to dare feed its children over it. And I was like, oh, my God. And um, the lady that I was there with, she was crying with laughter. I'm sure she was. You know who she is. You know, we can't mention her on the podcast, but you know who she is. And she was in stitches. I'm sure she will be laughing just listening to me recall this tale on the podcast. The evening, the evening was was less chaotic. We went to see a band called Scouting for Girls. Are you aware of Scouting for Girls, Dilly? I love Scouting for Girls. Yeah, I've seen them before. And uh, on the Saturday, we went went Halloween decorations shopping, but I left it too late. Apparently, even though Halloween isn't here yet, the time for buying Halloween decorations was supposedly August and September, and the time for buying Christmas decorations is now. But yeah, it was a lovely weekend. Um, and do you know what? Aside from my pride being hurt, that assault by the goat wasn't too bad. Um, yeah. We've got a review in this week from Paula. It's an unusual review, but I'm not going to knock it, and I'm going to read out, because you've given us five stars, Paula. Uh, you've given us five stars over on iTunes, but... Um, Rather than writing a review of the podcast, you've sent a question in. So your question is, in a review, is I would love to write and ask about experience I had recently. How can I do that? Uh, Well, Paula, you can do that by uh, messaging us. Head over to um, The Social Work World, which is my Facebook page that I curate or The Social Work News Facebook page. You can head over there and you can uh, send us a message. Um, I've also got Social Work World and Social Work News on Instagram. Or you can send me an email directly at v.peart, that's P-E-A-R-T, at mysocialworknews.com. Or you can send us one via the press box, 
for the uh, the magazine, which is press at mysocialworknews.com. And Tilly, if it was uh, Paula was wanting to ask you a question, what's the best way for her to contact you? Don't be giving out your phone number in case a weirdo contacts you. Paula, I'm not suggesting you're a weirdo. It's just there might be a stalker on the podcast stalking you, Tilly. So don't give out your phone number, but give out a safe way that Paula, they're definitely not a weirdo, can contact you. Yeah, I think that probably the best way to get hold of me is on Twitter. Um, so I'm at Tilly underscore Anya, A-N-Y-A. So that's probably the best. Send me a direct message on there. I feel like I need to apologise to Paula there because if one of my friends was a weirdo, I would say they're definitely not a weirdo. I'm thinking I'd probably, you would only have to clarify someone wasn't a weirdo if they probably were a little bit weird, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. You don't. You wouldn't normally have to put that out there just in general. But no. so I apologise that Paula. I mean, you, you've had a decent easy to leave us a five star review, which I regularly uh, beg for on every show. And if uh, I've answered your question, but for some reason I've uh, said you're not a weirdo. Um, so yeah, I, I take that back. I don't know what you are. You're a lovely lady. That's all I can say. Thanks for the review. So, listeners, on this week's show, we are going to uh, ask uh, uh, Taylor's uh, question as old as time. What does it take to be a good social worker? Um, this is inspired by a new writer we've had come on board this week. I'm sure a lot of you will have seen this article. It, um, it went out on Wednesday, and it was very, very popular indeed, and it's by Effie Molina. And her article... Now, has the title, What Does It Really Take to Be a Child Protective Social Worker? And Effie talks about the commitments and what you have to do and basically the dilemmas and the toll that being a child protection social worker has upon you. And whilst their title is framed within the child protection field, such as a lot of my work tends to be, given that's in my experience, um, it applies to all facets of social work. But given you come from the adult side and I come from the child side, Tilly, I thought Effie's article would be a very, very good idea to have a podcast discussion on. So we're not going to really talk about Effie's article in particular. You guys can head over to mysocialworknews.com, take a look at that. It is a superb piece. And Effie, um, welcome to the fold. I look forward to getting to speak to you in person soon. But I thought that would be a good start for the podcast to look at um, skills, what it takes to be a good social worker. So we could sit here, we could do a, we could do a, 50-part series on this, Tilly. It could be like harking back to the days of the old Harry Potter social work podcast for our long-term listeners who was a, who would have followed us when we were doing that a few years ago. But we're going to refine it. And we're going to keep it quite short and snappy for today at least. So, Tilly, I know you've had a think about this uh, since yesterday when I fired this on you. Right, we're doing this. You've got 24 hours. Come up with your ideas. That's kind of how I work, isn't it? Um, but you always rise to the occasion, so I'll keep doing it. Let's have your five skills or five qualities that you think it takes to be a good social worker. So give me the one by one and then, um, yeah, I'll give my views as you explain each one. How does that sound for today's show, my friend? Yeah, I'm excited about this podcast. It's nice to have a, a cheery topic for once. So to start off then, um, I've got five skills. I'll, just, I'll list them first because... You know me, Vince, I love a bit of alliteration. And so I've decided it. to say five skills beginning with the letter C. Um, so mine are courage, compassion, creativity, connection and curiosity. 
I think that's a nice little model that people can refer to there. The five C's. Um, the five C's of social work. I love it. Five C's. Yes, I uh, uh, copyright that. Thank you very much. I should write a book, maybe. So so let's start off with courage then. Um, I don't think you can be a social worker unless you've got courage. You've got to have that that fire in your belly to do the right thing. Um, social work can be so tough and... We can face situations that make us feel uncomfortable on both a personal level and a professional level. Um, we're often in situations that that aren't necessarily safe um, for us to go in. We've talked about this many times on the podcast. Um, and we're also faced with working um, in a, a under-resourced and just difficult position a lot of the time. And it's really important that social workers have the courage to stand up and challenge that when it's needed. Um, there can be a lot of risk aversion within health and social care. Um, so it's really important that social workers don't fall into that trap and they allow people to or maximize people's ability to take positive risks in their lives. So I think courage is a good place to start with the, the social work skills. What do you think I like about it. that? I like it. I, I like it because you have to be. I think you have to be courageous in social work, and you have to be courageous in life as well. Um, you know, courage is calling. I think you you have to have courage in life. You have to have courage in yourself and courage in other people, and courage in the world. Because whilst the meek shall inherit the earth, I think that meekness and hiding away from things can it can cost you a lot in life if you don't have the courage in life to go for what you want and do the right thing and back yourself and really go out there, then it's fine if you don't want those things. It's very, very, if you're a natural introvert and you don't want, you don't want the the rewards that being courageous will reap. That's fine. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. If that's who you are and you want a meek and quiet and mild life and you don't want to put yourself out there, excellent. 10 out of 10. I fully support you on that one. But if you want more and you want more for your clients and you want to get achievements, you want to achieve things and set goals and do things for yourself and for others, you have to have courage. It's very, very hard. Well, it's impossible for people to do that for you, is it not? Yeah, exactly. And I think in the social work context, um, you, you don't get the best outcomes for your clients unless mm. you're going to stand up and challenge others because... As you know, resources are so hard to come by. You often have to really fight professionally. Mm. So obviously, but come up with defensible arguments. And if you don't have the courage to do that or, or challenge others where there may be issues, then that's that's kind of that's just a fundamental social work skill. Right. We're having courage. Courage is going to the box. It's going to the social work tools kit. You've convinced. You've charmed me. Excellent. Okay. Well, I don't think you need much convincing for the next one either, because um, I've gone with compassion for my second skill, which is very similar to one that you're coming up with. It's just kind of a different word for the same thing. But compassion is so important. We're working with people from all walks of lives, from all different backgrounds, and sometimes people that have done the most abhorrent and horrendous things and no matter what someone has done we have to be compassionate and we have to support them and show that unconditional positive regard 
no matter what. Um, otherwise, we just simply can't do our jobs. And that's not to say that we shouldn't call out behavior when it needs to be or, or acts when, when, they've, when someone's done something wrong. But we have to have that level of compassion and, and empathy, which is one of yours although I'm, I'm spoiling things for you i'm spoiling things uh, that, you know, um, I, well, I, I, would, I would see compassion as an empathy as two different things and i'll explain that when it comes on to to my my uh section when i'm going to give my five skills but compassion is very very important i fully agree with you and, and i i work directly with people that's the nature of being an independent social worker i work directly with mothers and fathers who are being assessed occasionally grandparents and you know aunties uncles potentially in, in capacity to protect assessments or special guardian assessments and um connected carers assessments but generally speaking you know the majority of my time is spent with parents and i always focus on a couple of things we can have in common a couple of things are do you like computer games oh i do too you know i'll talk about computer games i've played in the past like kids of younger parents do you like football do you like cooking what we'll always try and like i'll, I'll I'll bounce off a couple of things. And if you can find something that you've got in common, or you can find a quality in that person, you can make that connection. It's like Carl Rogers said when he uh, developed person-centered practice. Communication is like a bridge between two people and you have to use your words, you have to use your compassion, you have to use your empathy, which I'll go on to, to, to build that. And it's um, it, it makes it very important because even if your assessment is going to be negative, you know, you're not lying to people by being decent and being nice, even if you have to give them bad news. And in my experience, I've almost always found that bad news is a lot easier for people to take if it comes from a place of compassion than from a place of cold-hearted bureaucracy. Yeah, couldn't say it better myself. I like that. Okay. Right, let's have your third scene, the third of the five. <laughs> The third one is creativity. Ooh, um, tell me more, social, tell me more. <laughs> social workers have to do more with less. Um, it, it seems like we're forever being stretched. And you have to be get a bit creative sometimes, um, creative with your arguments and your, your rationales for certain funding decisions or certain um, assessments that you're doing. You have to be creative with the support that you're providing um if you're providing an intervention you've got to get creative with that so that you're tailoring it to the individual that you're working with um and that takes creativity um i, th I think it's an area that doesn't get very much spotlight i don't think in terms of social work practice but some of the best social workers i've come across are the most creative people and can come up with something out of nothing and I think that's a really important skill that we should all be striving for. Creativity can be frowned upon in my field, um, both on a macro level and on a micro level. On a macro level, and this is going back a fair bit, many of our listeners, particularly the international ones, um, won't be aware of this. You, you may recall it, Tilly, but it's even before me and you met. There was a big push back around eight years ago for what was called the innovation clause. Are you aware of that? Do you remember the innovation clause and the the um, law that Isabel Trowler was advocating that would allow certain local authorities, if they wish to, advocate out of um, certain rules in relation to statutory duties? Do you remember that? I do, yeah. And adult services had something similar in um, COVID times where they yes. were encouraged to 
sort of decide on what care act duties they were going to prioritize due yes. to the pandemic so yeah very similar yeah that there's so this similar thing was mooted within child protection social work and it it was to do with you know on the surface level relatively benign things that seemed to make a lot of sense such as you know if a child had been in long-term foster care for years and was very happy and very stable and there was no issues whatsoever we could do away with the need for a social worker to regularly visit them Basically, it was basically statutory things like that that a lot of the time we were kind of just doing for the sake of things. And I supported the innovation clause. I thought, what a really good idea. Let's give the ability to make decisions to those on the ground working with people directly. If If a family needs to be visited once every day, fair enough. If a family needs to be visited once every two months, then fair enough. Let's do what's right for the people. But there was a lot of pushback. And the pushback, surprise, surprise, didn't come from the families that had social workers, did not come from social workers. It came from um, thinkers. It came from thinkers and figures who don't do the job anymore, haven't got any involvement from with social workers as service users, but believed that this was a bad idea. Um, and I think creativity can be frowned upon on that macro level, as it has been quite significantly when uh, that that agenda was pushed through and the innovation clauses were scrapped, much to the detriment, in my belief, of the social workers like you and I and the uh, people using our services. And I think it can also be frowned upon in my line of work and child protection work on the micro level simply because... There is a lot of risk aversion. There is a lot of worry about doing things differently because there's a culture, whether we like it or not, of back covering. Do you think creativity in the way you've described it is potentially easier to do in some fields of social work than others? Yeah, definitely. I think it's really encouraged in adult services mm. because often a creativity is goes hand in hand with saving money. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we're really not talking about creativity. We're talking about thriftiness. <laughs> well, I mean, as I always say, as long as it's right for the person and you're doing it because it's right for them not to save money, yes. then you can't go too wrong. Um, right. But yeah, I think that's the difference then between children and adult services because it, it is encouraged. And I, the, the problem is, I think there's a lot of stagnation in social work yes. and there's a lot of doing things because that's the way we've always done it. And that's what we need to do for bureaucracy's sake. And I think it takes those creative and innovative thinkers to then push the, the new models forward and, and new ways of working. And yes, there can be a danger then that you get into that cyclical um pattern of you try something it doesn't work mm. you go back to something else and then a few years later it comes back rebranded but it's effectively the same thing we see that a lot certainly with st- structures and um those overarching ways in which we work we, we do see those come back time and time again but genuine creativity and innovation should be celebrated certainly and that's you know what service. that's what you should have said to your colleagues when you book that that bad airbnb you said look Genuine creativity should be celebrated. You were trying to be creative. You weren't putting people's lives at danger. You were just trying to be creative. Um, right, Teddy, let's have your fourth C. Right. My fourth C then is um, connection. And I think this one goes without saying, really. We need to be able to connect with the people that we're working with. Mm-hmm. Again, no matter where they come from, um, what's happened before, 
um, whatever that person's needs are. We need to be able to connect with them on a human basis. We need to be able to build rapport um, and do that quickly, especially when we're working in a duty or crisis situation where you're having to intervene in someone's life, having not known that person beforehand. Um, but we've also got to be able to build up those long-term working relationships as well. Um, and not just with the people we're supporting, but with fellow professionals as well, which yes. can, in my experience, sometimes be more difficult than <laughs> um, supporting the people on Tell your Tell me about load. this. Tell me about this. <laughs> yeah, I think most of the headaches that I get are from other professionals, yeah, um, not actually the people that we're we're supporting. But but we've got to do it. We we have to put aside egos. We have to just focus on the reason why we're doing what we're doing, and ensure that those those people get the right sort of support and in connection. We just have to be able to connect with everyone. So that's my fourth C. Nice. I think there isn't really much for me to say on that one, other than I'm just going to ask this question. Give me a couple of quick tips for how you connect with people in social work. You know what what's What's your number one? Give me just your number one tip for making a connection with someone in social work that you're supporting as their social worker. I think being genuine. People can tell if you're genuine, um, if you 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 genuinely care about them and you're there for the right reasons and you've not just got that mask of professionalism on. People pick up on that. People the majority of communication is nonverbal. And if you show that you're interested in someone then you're going to build a connection that's a good starting point i like it i like it right let's have your fifth and final c okay so the last one is curiosity um aka being nosy but not too <laughs> <being nosy. laughs> no, we, we've we've got to be professionally curious in social work um always willing to dig a bit deeper um, we're dealing with really complex situations with layers of contradictory information from different sources. And that curious mindset, just thinking, what's going on there? What, what do I need to learn more about that? Um, not just in terms of your assessment and your analysis, but also in your own career as a social worker, getting curious about why you feel in certain ways. That's when you think linking into reflective practice getting curious about what you want to do with your social work career, where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are, where you need areas of further development. Um, curiosity didn't always kill the cat. It's mm. um, important for social work, I believe. So that's my fifth and final C. I mean, I could have come up with way more, but um, I was only allowed five. You so were only allowed ever. five because we, yeah, we I was under to keep strict the podcast we do. So, we like we like to get the podcast to around an hour. Usually, usually about forty five minutes is the average it comes in at. I'm just going to ask you a question about curiosity. Now, I'm curious about your curiosity question. Um, where do we draw the line? Because in child protection social work, I think we always have to be careful about when we go on fishing expeditions and fishing trips, and we always have to be careful about when do we stop looking. Because if you look for problems and if you're suspicious and you're curious about everything, that might never end. So at what point with your curiosity do you say, do you know what, I've had a gut feeling there, or there's some evidence, I've looked into that, there's been a referral, there's been a couple of signs. At what point do you say, okay, I've looked enough? I think because you can't back. look forever. No, you, you, can't, you, you can't. can't. You can't hold the burden of you. In child protection social work in particular, we don't observe. It is drummed into us. We don't observe. 
We don't sit there. We don't we don't monitor, should I say. We don't stay involved with a family just to monitor. So when do you stop looking? I think it comes, I mean, every situation is different, but... Yeah, I've spoken you like a politician, solid... Tim. Give me some answers. Give <laughs> no, me more. I'm, I'm... All right, I'm going, I'm going. Um, If you have a strong understanding of the law and policy, then you won't go too far wrong. Because if you're balancing people's Article 8 human rights to a private and family life with any um, statutory intervention um, that that you might be doing, whether that's under Care Act, Children Act or, or any other piece of legislation, then you can't go too far wrong with that as long as you're just balancing out I'm intervening as a state figure. Um, okay, yes, I've got a duty to protect and safeguard those that I'm working with, but equally, I've also got a duty not to interfere and be overly mm-hmm. heavy-handed. So if you've got that in your mind and you're following the law and the policy, then you can't go too far wrong, hopefully. Yes, be bounded. Be but Essentially, be bounded in your curiosity. Do look into things and do be curious, but know when to let it go yes very much so right let's hear yours then so um my five and i'll go through these one by one but i'll read them all together are empathy passion commitment discipline and resilience so i'll start with empathy I've gone with this first because I think that if you cannot be empathetic in social work, then you don't really have anything. I say that having known many social workers who weren't very empathetic and who othered clients. And would it be fair to say that you've sometimes seen that too, Tilly? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's only human sometimes. We we have to keep ourselves in check. We all have mm. our own prejudices and biases Um, It can be easy to slip into that. That's why Mm. you've got to have good quality supervision. Be very mindful of yourself and your own biases and just keep a check on yourself. So for me, I always always bear in mind the simple saying there, but for the grace of God go I. And I am always very, very mindful of the fact that the people I'm working with, even though they may have done some heinous things which turn my stomach, they are human beings. Good people do bad things. And every single time without fail, when I work with a parent who is accused of significant abuse or neglect of their children to the point when the children have been taken from the care, every single time you look at that parent's history and what do you see? You see neglect, you see trauma, you see adverse childhood experiences, you see intergenerational trauma being passed down the line from grandfather and grandmother to mother and father, then to that parent themselves, who've then gone on to pass that down to their own children. And I think the baseline of empathy of always thinking that could be me, if I'd have had that happen to me, I can't guarantee I would have done that. Now, we're not saying everybody who's experienced significant trauma and significantly adverse childhood experiences will go on to abuse and neglect their children. Of course they won't. Only a small portion do. What I am saying, though, Tilly, is that the chances of neglecting and abusing your own children shoot up massively if you've had that happen to you. 
And for me, empathy comes into that. Empathy comes into understanding that good people do bad things, that everybody has got the ability to do good within them. And if you can treat people like they are capable of doing well, then they will be far more likely to rise to your ideal of them than if you treat them like monsters, then they will think, what is the point in even trying to change because I've been written off and I'm not having the opportunity to leave my past behind. So in my work with parents as an independent social worker, I always empathise with them. I understand what it's like to be in their situation right now. I understand how they may have got there. And I understand that whilst they may have done some heinous things, that is not the be-all and end-all of who they are. Yeah, I think that's. I would agree with with all of that. Um, it's about having that fundamental love for humanity mm-hmm. and knowing that everyone has value and intrinsic yes. good and worth within them, um, no matter who they are or what they've done. So that's really important. You can always find something there, like I was saying when you were talking about compassion. Um, talking about compassion, my uh, second skill is uh, compassion without the come, just passion. Just passion. Um, So I think it's very, very important to be passionate about social work. I think it's important to be passionate about life. I I believe that if something is worth doing, it's worth doing well. Now, Tilly, as someone who has heard many of my ideas, you may say, but Vince, you get a bit too passionate at times. You get a bit too carried away. Would that be fair? Is that what's going for your head right now, Tilly? Well, it is now. Ah, um, ah. Yeah, you're, you're certainly not short of a, a passion or two. No, you, so. no. I think you have to have five in your belly in life. I think you have to, you have to squeeze the juice out of life that you can. I think you have to, you have to, you have to be passionate about things. You have to be all in, in for a penny, in for a pound. And I'm very passionate in my personal life. I'm passionate about this podcast and my friendships and activities and things that I do and my relationships and certainly passionate about my children and loved ones. And I, I am very passionate about work. I mean, look, you and I are both passionate about work. You know, I'm, I am a social worker, but I also um, do this podcast. I'm also content editor for our social work magazine, social work news. I also write regularly. I do content for the website and um, social media and so on. I love social work. I love social work. I love other people. I have a keen interest in people. I have a keen interest in social work. And I'm very, very passionate about what I do. The fact that I have such passion for what I do makes every day a joy. Not everything I do is joyous. Some things I do are very, very difficult indeed. But because I care and because I'm committed and because I'm compassionate and passionate about what I do, it it keeps that fire burning through those very dark nights because even when I have difficult times, I love what I do. And I know that the dawn will come again, the sun will rise, and I'll carry that fire with me on those dark nights in social work. And I'll keep that fire burning in my belly and we'll keep going. And I I love what I do. I, I love what I do. I adore my job. I'm incredibly lucky that this is a career that I've had for 11 years now. It's my vocation. I can't see myself doing anything else whatsoever. And perhaps not everyone might be as fanatical about social work as I am. I'm certainly not suggesting everybody spend the vast majority of time thinking about social work and writing about social work and talking about social work. But for me, 
it's not social work, the job that makes me as passionate as this. It is the people. I'm passionate about people and I love people and I love working with people. I love helping people. I love supporting people. And I'm very lucky that I've got a job that allows me to do that with people. So I think for me, you have to be passionate. You have to love what you do and you have to have a fire in your belly and that will keep you going when times get tough. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. When you look at the social workers who are struggling the most, it's because they've lost their passion. They've mm-hmm. lost that drive to go out and and support the people that, that they are. And that can be for a variety of different reasons. Um, it could be they're just worn down with it all. But yeah, the most successful social workers are those that really care about why they do what they do and they're dynamic about it. And um, yeah, live every day to strive to be that better social worker and that better person. Wise words indeed, my friend, wise words indeed. Uh, My next one's a C, so you could pinch this. You could have the six Cs if you want. But my third skill is commitment. I think you've got to be committed. You have to be committed to what you're doing with social work. Times will be tough. And yes, your empathy will see you through. Your passion will see you through. Your courage, your compassion, your creativity, your ability to connect and your curiosity Those will see you through, but you have to be steadfast. You have to be committed to the cause, and you cannot let hard times get you down. Tough times don't last, but tough people do, and you have to continue. You must be committed to what you do. You must be committed to your deadlines. You must be committed to your work. You must be committed, certainly must be committed to the people you support. You must be committed to your codes of conduct. You must be committed to your ethical value base. If you say you're going to do something in social work, I think you have, you've got to do that to the best of your ability. Now, yes, we will burn out. We will fall along the way at times, but as long as that's not for want of trying, as long as that's not for a lack of commitment in the first place. Now, yes, having significant issues with stress and trauma, vicarious trauma, secondary trauma, difficulties in the workplace, toxic workplaces, bullying managers, violent service users, difficulties with your home life, mental health issues, drug and alcohol issues, addictions, lots of things can get in our way as social workers. I'm not saying those are anybody's fault there, but for the grace of God, go I too. But... You have to be committed. You have to have a baseline. You must have a baseline that if all is well and all is good and if the sun is shining, I will be true to my word. I will be loyal. I will say what I'm going to do and I will be committed to my role. I will hold the line. I will keep my course set. Are you committed to social work, Tilly? Does your commitment ever waver? Not now. I mean, it has done in the past. Um, I've certainly had times where I've thought that it's social work for me. Is it? Is it worth it? But now I'm on a, a steadfast path. I I love nice. being a social worker, and I'm I'm very happy. And I don't I, I don't get that dread before I come to work. I don't. It's it's not really work, although it is a job, and I treat it as a job, and I, I set boundaries. It's not too much effort. I, I enjoy coming into work. I look forward to what I might get to do each day, spend time with the people I'm supporting, spend time with my colleagues and do a decent day's work and and achieve good things for people. I, I, I love being a social worker. And do you know what, Tilly, you do it well. You do it well. I, I think your commitment to our profession is is something I admire greatly. And I am sure I speak on behalf of all our listeners 
And everyone that reads your work, I think you inspire us all with how committed you are to this profession. Oh, thank you. But right back at you. Right back at you. My fourth skill is discipline. And now, Tilly, now, Tilly, you visited my home the other the other week. What does it say on my mirror in my bathroom? Oh, I, I can't remember. That's... I, be disciplined. I be disciplined. <laughs> on, I've got a sticker which is on my bathroom mirror and it says, be disciplined. And every day as I'm shaving then brushing my teeth, I read that sticker and it says, be disciplined. Discipline is incredibly important for me. Incredibly important for me. If I'm not disciplined, then the worst of myself comes out. I need routine. I need order. I, be, I need discipline. And for me, discipline is the foundation of all good behaviors. It's the foundation of a good life. For me, the foundation of a good life is can you discipline yourself to do what you're going to say? Will you take actions today that will improve your tomorrow? Will you be your own future friend? If you say you're going to do something, will you stick to it? Will you be disciplined? Will you be routine? Will you be regimented in the knowledge that deferred gratification will give you rewards greater than you can possibly imagine further down the line? And I think not only does that greatly help me in my personal life, but it helps me in social work. I time box. I commit to things. I'm always early on deadlines. I've never filed late in my entire 11 years as a social worker. I have never once filed an assessment late because I'm disciplined. I block up my time. And if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And you need to hold yourself accountable to get that done. You need to be disciplined. Yes, it can be hard. We don't know what's going to happen. Our phone call could ring. Our phones could ring tomorrow. We don't know what's going to come up. Our cases could be all over the place. Yes, okay, you're disciplined. You sit back, you rearrange things, right? I'm going to do this visit then. I'm going to do this assessment then. I'm going to move things around. But you have to be disciplined. You have to be regimented. Because when I wasn't disciplined in social work, ooh, I was on a, I was on a one-way ticket to hell and I wasn't coming back. But when I stuck to my guns, when I became disciplined, I was like, no, I am going to do that. I'm going to do that here. I might not, I might not work as hard because discipline as well, Tilly. Discipline is not only committed to, not only a commitment to working. You've also have to be disciplined at the time you take off as well. So I think discipline, it's similar to commitment. Commitment's about sticking by your promise. Discipline is the power that means you will stick by that. And I think discipline is incredibly, incredibly important. Order and discipline and industriousness all under, you know, the kind of umbrella of discipline are incredibly important, in my view, to being an effective social worker who gets their job done and gets home on time. Wow. I think this is the only one where I slightly... I don't disagree because I, I, I've seen this work for you 100% and I'm completely on board with it. And I think for certain people, it, it needs to be in that that regimented structure. But I am not that sort of social worker at all. <laughs> I'm really undisciplined. Um, I'm really quite a, a laid back and laissez-faire about things. And And yes, of course, there are times when you have to crack on, you have to meet a deadline and you have to do things. Um in a disciplined way but but a lot of the time there's a lot more space and floatiness that I think comes certainly from my practice anyway I think that's just kind of who I am um and yeah I, I always push back a bit if I'm too disciplined I just it's not how my brain works like I've, I've tried time boxing but I can't do it I'd rather have a list and just crack on and know that I'm working 
as fast and as hard as I can. But if things don't get done, then they don't get done. I've got one. I've got hands, not ones, as they say. So, yeah, I think that that's just our different personalities, though. So but I completely get why why you say that. Right. My last one is resilience. I've left this till last because it kind of it's it's the aftermath of the other things. Really, Social work is hard. It really is hard. There may be certain fields which are potentially objectively less hard than others. There may be certain fields which some people find hard or easier than others that other people find the opposite. You know, I always say to people, don't think that because you've had a bad job that social work is a bad career. Try out something else that may suit you a lot better. But regardless of what field you end up in social work and regardless of what degree of trauma, secondary trauma, vicarious trauma, or your own first-hand trauma you might experience by virtue of what you go through and the abuse you suffer in toxic workplaces, difficult managers, and unbearable workloads, which are all common. Regardless of what field you end up in, social work is hard. But anything worth doing well is going to be hard. If social work was easy, everybody would do it. All rewards in life come from hardship. Any single person in life who has made a success of things on their own back, unless they've been gifted things or won the lottery or you know been born into uh, rich families, anything in life worth pursuing is done off the back of hard work. Social work is hard. It is worth pursuing. How could a vocation that is predicated upon supporting people in need be anything but hard. Of course it couldn't be. That's the nature of what we do. We deal with people who are in difficult situations, ergo our job will be difficult. You have to be resilient. You have to steel yourself against the horrors of the night. And I think resilience and being able to cope with what will come your way and have that armour, have that shield, do your best to not let it knock you off course and prevent you from doing the job you need to do for the people you serve. I think you cannot be an effective social worker or perhaps should I say you cannot last a lifetime in social work if you do not have the ability to be resilient to the horrors of humanity that you will face in your daily working life. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a nice one to finish on. Um, it's it's how we continue doing what we're doing each day, no matter what the hardships and atrocities we're faced with, that we're, a- we're able to bounce back and not take it personally, not take it to heart and look after ourselves. Um, you can't pour from an empty cup. Very well said, my friend. Very well said. So... Um, we will end it there. Tilly, I love your five C's, potentially six C's. You can borrow one of mine. And would can I ask on behalf of our listeners if we could expect in the coming weeks an article, perhaps on mysocialworknews.com with the, the five C's of social work, as this is something we could potentially tease out of you? Yeah, okay. I um, will use it as my next article. I didn't know it's what I was going to write. So, um, Deal. yeah, thanks Sold. for that. <laughs> Sold. I there we go. That. 
All right, <laughs> listeners, check out my social at news.com in the coming weeks and see Tilly's next article. Um, if you would like to uh, head over and check the articles we've been talking about, head over to mysocialworknews.com. Also, if you want to follow in Paula's footsteps and leave a review, please do so. We will read out your review on next week's show and it will be very much appreciated. Until next week, it is goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me.